Hello, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we're two teachers talking, where Tony and I get together and talk about all things related to teaching English in Japan and working in universities in Japan. And this is episode 119. And Tony, you have an interview with Chris Rudenklau, who I think is the coordinator of the Teachers Helping Teachers Lab program, someone who works in Japan, but also does some other kinds of work, I guess, volunteer work. And uh, you talked to him. And so what did you talk, guys talk about to give our listeners a heads up before we go into the interview? Okay. Well, Chris, like like you and I, has been here in Japan for like forever. Uh, but his uh, his route here is a little bit more circuitous, maybe. Uh, started out maybe teaching in uh, Thailand and, and Laos um, and uh, then Japan. I think that's the chronology. And um, still is uh, quite active, um, sp- specifically with Laos, um, and uh, runs, uh, helps with um, a program, or at least a conference each year, um, Lao Tisal, um, and uh, in coordination with people there, uh, gets people from Japan and from other places to visit Lao to interact with the the English teachers there, uh, so they have a chance to talk with people who are you know teaching English in other places in the world, and uh, you know kind of get together and. And chew the fat and exchange ideas, uh, get some contact with, um, you know, native speakers and uh, other educators. And um, everybody gets together and has a good time. So he, he does that um, every year. Um, and Allison, my, my wife, is um, often uh, uh, participating in, in that event thing. So, you know, we talked about uh, yeah, you know, his past, uh, his experiences, um, what you know what uh, experiences he's had that informed him as a teacher, ex- experiences that he's had that you know it changed his life, um, the differences in teaching in Thailand and in Laos and in Japan, and differences in the people, difference in the students, difference in the societies, all kinds of stuff like that. Sounds real interesting. It was. It was. It was fun. It was a kick. Okay, and so as usual, when we have a guest, we're going to let. The- the audience listen to the interview and then you and I will just kind of run some ideas back and forth at the end, make some comments. Yeah. And uh, might as well just get to it, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe just to tack on a little apology again for the, you know, when we do interviews, like the sound quality takes a big hit. <laughs> so this is not the best, but it's it's not that terrible, but apologies, not up to our usual standards. Well, maybe Sorry. we should explain that, <laughs> that you and I are, are using, we have certain mics and we're set up for a permanent kind of situation, but when we have guests, they're using their own equipment usually, or we're using secondary equipment, right? Yeah, it's some kind of weird ad hoc bandage together thing that hopefully, you know, you get together, you do the interview, and it's like, you hopefully you get some usable sound out of it, but... Uh, Okay, uh, so. Yeah, I'll own it. I mean, I, that, whatever is there, it's like it, it, if it's if it's bad, it's my fault. <laughs> well, speaking of this, by the way, for the for our listeners, um, I, we hope that you guys do appreciate that we think we have pretty good sound quality compared to a lot of podcasts. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah. So take, we, we take some pride in that. Yeah. Right. So if you've noticed it, we appreciate it, and if you haven't noticed it. Maybe you should some attention. <laughs> it is. It has been an effort to put the equipment together so that we can get the best sound. But okay, so it's an interesting talk, I guess, that you had. Um, a little different from what we usually have when we have a guest on. So this will be, I think, good for the audience. So let's give it a listen. Okay, today we're talking with uh, Chris Rudenklau. Um, one of uh, our colleagues here in Japan, and um, he's got a whole lot of interesting stories <laughs> and a whole lot of interesting experiences and all kinds of interesting stuff to share. So we're going to cram a bunch of stuff in and uh, see how much we can share here. So, Chris, um, you know, you're here in Japan. How long? How'd you get here? What were you doing before? Um, what's happening right now? I mean, a little short bio. Who are you? 
Oh, well, basically, I'm from New Zealand and a New Zealand trained teacher. And uh, originally, I was started out my career teaching elementary school students. And then I moved on to secondary school in New Zealand and uh, uh, trained in special needs teaching. I think training in special needs teaching was probably uh, fundamental towards uh, developing a philosophy towards that's shaped my teaching career since then. And um, I was very lucky in 1985 uh, to be introduced to a teacher in Thailand who I went to visit and spend the next six weeks with. And that was the actual, the next next stage of my development as a teacher in that uh, I was then invited to go and teach in Thailand. And when I arrived in Thailand in 1985, 1986 to teach uh, at university level, I found the experience to be remarkably uplifting and uh, gave me a new enthusiasm for teaching and uh, also I fell in love with Thailand and uh, after two years of living in Thailand I returned to New Zealand but I had itchy feet so to speak and uh, I was fortunate enough in that uh, parents who I'd met in Thailand sent their children out to New Zealand, and uh, I started international programs in the high schools where I was working, and uh, those students uh, enthused me with uh, wanting to travel some more. So we also started up a program where we had uh, Japanese uh, students also uh, studying with us. And uh, Mm. uh, as a result of that connection, I was invited to teach in Osaka at a girls' high school in Osaka, which had a program with over 120 students a year going down to New Zealand for a whole year. And um, basically, the school had been transformed by this program because the English scores for those students meant that they could actually get into good universities at the end of their high school years. So it was a very successful program, very enjoyable experience. But I realized also I wanted to get back into university teaching um, the bug had bitten me in Thailand, and I thought, well, I'd really love to do this again. So I was very fortunate in being able to get work in universities in Japan, which has uh, been my breadwinner, and uh, also been probably the, some of the nicest teaching that I've done in my life. Uh, uh, I continued to travel to Thailand regularly, and eventually in the late or early 2000, I I actually entered um, Laos for the first time. In Laos, I found the same energy and and the, the same passion that people had for life um, as I'd found in 1985 in, in Thailand. And uh, I fell in love with the place. Uh, so that led me to build a house there. So I built the house of my dreams at that stage there. And, um, and then also I thought, well, I'd like to do something else here as well. So I was very fortunate in meeting uh, uh, Penny Gunter, who was working with the Women's International Group in Laos at that stage and had been in Laos since the 1960s. Uh, she, she basically had noticed the need for something very practical in schools that was toilets and uh, Several, several of her friends had uh, lost children to bladder infections as a result of not being out, female students, as a result of not being able to use toilets within the schools. So she'd set up a program whereby the funds from the Women's International Group were funneled into schools uh, for toilet blocks which were designed by the Lao teachers and built by the Lao teachers and which uh, were provided the money for the materials for. So it was with that sort of basic basic knowledge of things that were fundamental to the system and fundamental towards helping Lao people to be able to stand on their own feet and do things for themselves that I got interested in teachers helping teachers. Uh, Bill Balsamo here in Japan was the founding member of uh, Teachers Helping Teachers and also a mentor for me when I first came to Japan. And um, as a result of that, I started joining their programs. I became aware that uh, their programs could be expanded. And after three years of uh, joining their programs, I decided to take over coordination of the Lao THT program. 
and we started initially with Penny's guidance and introductions from the Women's International Group into working in high schools and providing a homestay experience with Lao teachers and also also giving um, giving support, I guess, or giving friendship. I think friendship is the, is the key to this program. Uh, it, our program is short. We only have a short time in Laos, and most of our teachers can only offer a short time. So uh, it's important that uh, we are realistic about what we can offer. And most of us know nothing about Laos. And, uh, so yeah, I was going to say. And the other thing I asked so you did the time frame is short. Well, what are we talking about in terms of time frame? Well, some people come for maybe a week. Some people come for two weeks. Uh, usually, uh, most people choose a week. Uh, and sometimes, some people, if they're just dropping in for the Lao Tessel Conference, will only come for two days. So it's actually getting the most juice out of those people in, in a way that can be constructive and helpful to Lao teachers, um, plus also be an interesting experience for those teachers coming through that uh, is the crux of the pro- program and the and and is really what we we uh, the point at which we need to actually um, develop the program. So you've got like the actual conference is just like two days basically, and then a window of about a week or so where teachers can get involved with other kind of mm-hmm. interactive activities and um, participation in classes and et cetera, et cetera, during the week with high schools or universities and things depending on their own interests and needs of the, of the people there? Yes, that's correct. What we what like to do first is warm the teachers up. And uh, first of all, we, we gather together as a group and um, spend some time together getting to know each other before we actually go out and visit high schools and see what the actual situation is like for our teach, teachers before we go to the conference. So I like to see teachers having a little bit of knowledge about what's going on. That's really important, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it really yes, is because it is. because it really aren't. We were, we're talking about really different worlds. And we're, I mean, we're we're banding mind. You go back and forth all the time, and you know, you've got background in Thailand and Asia, and but these are two different planets. Well, they are. They are completely two different <laughs> planets, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, I always remember th- arriving in Japan thinking it would be like Thailand. And that was a bit right. Of a I wanted to ask you about this. So you, you came from Thailand and Japan. It's like, what was that transition like? That must have been amazing. Well, it was. It was amazing because I, <laughs> I still had uh, images of uh, the first my first days in Thailand, whereby I'd go to sleep at night and there'd be all these pictures darting between before my eyes about all this excitement and this great energy taking place. And then I arrived in Thai, in Japan, and it was cold. For a start, mm. and it uh, wasn't wasn't the same same joy de vie that I'd experienced in in Thailand. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm. And uh, before we were talking, we talked about um, your, your your first experiences in Thailand and Laos, and uh, a little bit about the um, the the Buddhist aspect and how that appealed to you and kind of fitted with your teaching philosophy and nascent teaching philosophy or what was developing as your as your teaching philosophy. Well, yes, actually, to be honest with you, yes, I actually never realized it until hmm. recent years. What 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 made Lao and Thai people so fundamentally different? And really, really, it is the is a sense of joy that they find in, in, in Buddhism and in their belief in, in, in life and, and what it means to be Thai or to be Lao and what it means to be alive, basically. And um, there's a zest for life that exists in uh, Thailand and Laos. It's uh, unique. And uh, I think it's probably a reason for the success of Buddhism in the West now, uh, particularly in Australia or in other places, in England and other places, where Buddhist communities have emerged based on the forest monk tradition that comes out of northeastern Thailand. Of course, northeastern Thailand was originally part of Laos. So I'm really, I've really moved towards the root of the culture that I, I so respect and so like. And um, basically that respect for the individual and that respect of the individual, even as a child, is being... Uh, a well found, a well formed individual uh, with with uh, solid opinions of their own and and with the ability to make decisions of, uh, for themselves um, that I really 
really think is fundamental to all all educational thought, basically, that idea of uh, the the individual as being fully formed uh, rather than the notion of childhood, which seems to pervade uh, Western consciousness. Mm. As far as children are concerned, children are something to be protected and looked after. While I think most Lao people protect and look after their children too, uh, there is also that sense of dignity of the individual and the individual nature of of, of all beings, uh, no matter what their age. Hmm, that's a little bit different than Japan, <laughs> but a lot of but a lot of times those those kinds of insights only come to us in retrospect. We're able to look back and put things together, and um, so forth and so on. But um, so now with your with your activities. Um, that you're that you're running in Laos. You've got the the annual conference for a couple of days and the other experiences. Maybe you could you know, flesh that out and tell, talk a little bit more about um, what are the the other what the, what are the Lao teachers getting experiencing the the teachers from Japan and elsewhere who are going to to Lao Tisal. Um, what are they? experiencing what are they getting out of it and there's also like some opportunity for uh, teachers from outside Laos to interact with students in high school and university too and um, from your observations what is happening there that's of all these different groups uh, what are they giving what are they getting yeah. uh, basically uh, what are they giving what are they getting from the Laos side they're getting the opportunity to interact with foreigners because as English language teachers uh this is an opportunity that's highly valued, especially especially if just not interacting with the tourists coming through the country, but interacting with fellow professionals. Uh, this can be very uh, very motivating for Lao teachers. Can can actually uh, make the whole experience of coming to the conference, the Lao Tesla conference, worthwhile. And the Lao Tesla conference is very highly regarded by Lao teachers. Uh, some of them will spend uh, 48 hours on a bus to come to this conference. Mm. And uh, I know that we fly in, but some of them are t- taking longer to get to the conference than we are coming from Japan. Wow. Yeah, it is It is pretty well. And uh, some teachers wait four or five years for the opportunity to come to this conference. Mm. It's really the only only chance for teachers in Laos English teachers in Laos to actually have some in-service training. Uh, and as such, the conference is uh, for the Lao teachers of English rather than as a showcase of education, uh, like maybe maybe happens in the neighboring countries. Uh, for example, Cambodia is, is run by a – Cam Tessel is run as by an international concern – and it's an excellent conference, but it has a totally different flavor to the. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that, but yeah, but you brought it up. But uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like that. Um, mm, it's a very different vibe. It sounds like it is a different vibe because basically, uh, the people that you encounter at the Lao Tessel are all Lao. Our audience are Lao teachers of English. Uh, it's a conference for invited presenters and uh, Lao teachers of English only. Um, which some people say, oh, you should open up the doors, you'd get more people, but uh, it's a focused opportunity for Lao Lao teachers to uh, get some training, get some in-service training. So uh, I don't think that's really really the aim of the conference. The aim of the conference is focusing on Lao teachers of English. Yeah, it would change the entire nature of the event, wouldn't it? Well, it does change the event, and so therefore we have an event that is uniquely Lao, and mm. of course, being uniquely Lao, it has to be also be fully catered, which means that we have to have morning teas and we have to have lunches and we have to have um, we have to have afternoon teas and we have to have evening meals, which are which are highly associated with the event. And so, this whole atmosphere is 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 rather wonderful. And um, as I say, it's the Lao people are very generous, uh, very generous and very welcoming. And uh, I think it's that energy that they have towards uh, their teaching and uh, that um, gives so much to, to our volunteers who come through. Not our volunteers, I should say. I should say visiting teachers because we're not actually mm. volunteers mm. by any, any stretch of the imagination. So I can see, I can see where, um, you know, for example, teachers from Japan and elsewhere, like the non-law teachers who participate um, in the conference and the other activities um, coming in and, Having that kind of um, 
attention and uh, appreciation um, is um, quite an experience. And it, I think given you know, what you know, what you told me about like the conditions and um, facilities, et cetera, available there, um, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a wake up, a little, bit more, a little bit more awareness and appreciation for all kinds of things that we might take for granted here in Japan. Uh, yes, I, I think that's very true. I, mm. I, I, one of the resounding comments made by teachers is how come Lao teachers manage to do so much with so little when in Japan here we do so little with so much? Well, I've got some ideas on that, but not shut up. <laughs> um, and I, basically, these people are motivated. They're hungry. They're hungry. They're hungry for our handouts. They're hungry for information. They're hungry to talk to us. And their actual, their actual philosophy towards life and the way that they treat relationships with people means that we are just very, very welcome. And yeah. um, it, it's very refreshing to be in that sort of environment. And I think, think many people find that after they've been to Laos and they've participated in these events, they, they feel re, re-energized uh, towards their own practice as teachers. And well, I can see that. I can see that. Can I, I, can, I can imagine that very well um, because, um, there's, yeah, there's nothing like an attentive audience to, <laughs> to make you feel like you're on your game, right? Um, sure. Sometimes we don't experience that often here in Japan, oh. <laughs> but sure. but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like a, like a very different world, as I said before, a different planet, right? Yeah, it is. It is, certainly is, and um, I, I think that the way that the program has developed, we uh, we have listened very carefully to what Lao teachers are, are expressing as what they would like. For example, for a long time. Uh, the request was for information about teaching translation. And uh, uh, two years ago, we had an excellent program for focused on on teaching translation. Um, and uh, so, also, we developed the proceedings for the conference um, because that was another request. Uh, the university is looking for academic publications, and uh, so we have developed that with in 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 conjunction with the Lao Tessel uh, committee. Yeah, and maybe I'm I'm getting out on a limb here. I'm not sure, but if I'm wrong, you can you can shoot me down on this. But it seems like you talked about like their the conference last year and uh, uh, their request for um, translation as a topic and things. And I, I seems to me that one of the things that, um, for example, a teacher in Japan, uh, one of the lessons that they might be able to glean from this kind of experience, possibly, hopefully, um, would be a renewed look at or appreciation for or um, insight into uh, considering the the needs of, well, in this case, I don't want to say learners, but audience, but uh, turning things around. So, you, you know, going to Laos and doing a presentation, not about my thing, <laughs> what I want to talk about or what, what's, what, works, what works for me. And it's like, what about me, me, me? Um, the, having to really look at it from the other end and say, okay, what are the needs here? You know, these folks who you said come eight hours on a bus to come and sit here in the room and, and I'm supposed to give them something of value. It's like, eh, maybe it's not my, my, my pet project or my pet, my pet methodology or whatever it is that I'm going to be talking about. It's like, maybe it's my responsibility to figure out what it is that the, the, these people might want or need. Um, and am I capable of like giving them something that's going to be of value to them rather than um, what I know that I'm good at? Yeah, I, 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 I think that really encapsulates it a lot. And uh, I think basically there's a human, humanitarian approach to education in Laos that maybe sometimes gets lost on the way uh, here in Japan. Um, I, the theme for the next Lao Tessa conference in the end of January is developing positive mindsets for English language teaching. And I think that says it all in many ways because 
the Lao are still very much in contact with each other. They feel very related to each other. Uh, they don't face the alienation or the depression of the of of modern modern industrial life. Uh, and I think that these this, these basic aspects of uh, of what it actually means to teach somebody as opposed to my favorite theory or my favorite method or my favorite whatever um, and why it works um, is, is no longer valid when we step into their country. What is valid is actually the ability to listen as, as a visiting teacher, the ability to, to give enthusiasm and also discover your own enthusiasm the, the ability to simply communicate and work together with other teachers who are facing problems in, in, in their teaching situation and being able to see, see um, help, help people reflect on those things. I think reflective practice is probably one of the keys. If, if any of our teachers have had mm. something to do with reflective practice, uh, I think that's uh, – it's – I found through my teaching that it's my own reflections on 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 my classroom interactions that happen that actually spur my development as a teacher uh, and and have encouraged me to go further. And in fact, that would be the foundations of the special needs training that I did uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually the, the entire training course was focused on us. <laughs> so. <laughs> At the end of the day, we could become better people uh, in the classroom. Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, your your observation about um, modern industrial life um, resonates a bit because um, it that changes the culture, the society, the systems in so many uh, different ways and it's impervious. It's just, it's just, you know, it sneaks in and, and everything becomes different and you don't really, unless you really step back and take a look at it, you really don't get a picture how until you step completely out of that environment to a different environment like, like Laos. And it's like everything is upside down and different and, well, well, it is. It's it stupefying, right? It's stupefying. It it's just it's like, wow, what, 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 what? Everything is different. But what the comment that I used to always hear was, uh, "Don't think too much. Don't think too much." And I used to mm. always react to that with thinking, "Well," uh, with the response, <laughs> "Well, no, that's who I am. I think about this, and then I work <laughs> it out, and then." But no, 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 no. Don't think too much, and everything will evolve in its own time. Mm. And this sense of timing for things is is very uniquely Lao, and uh, it it applies to all things. I used to find in Thailand originally that the events that um, were planned for Saturday at uh, 10 a.m. inevitably never happened. Sure. And the events that suddenly came up out of the moment were, were actually the events that were worth going to. And yeah, they were the ones that happened. <laughs> and um, I found in my – found I had to challenge myself to actually accept invitations and accept things and accept change and expect the unexpected. And I think that's really what, if a, if, if a visiting teacher comes with one attribute, that would be the main attribute, the ability to flow with change. Yeah, the flexibility. And if there's any little vignette that like offers a, like a, a, a stronger contrast to Japan, I can't imagine what it might be because, <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we're on, we're driven by the clock, we are not, when not the yen, but <laughs> if not the yen, certainly by the clock. It's this the 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 idea of like a ten o'clock conference, like not beginning at ten o'clock, or like you just said, not happening. It's like <laughs> this is inconceivable. But, yeah, I I think it's also encapsulated in 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 uh, we. We, one day we'd planned to be in a high school on Wednesday, and um, we arrived and. Uh, the teachers looked at us and said, well, we thought you were coming on Thursday. And we said, no, 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 it's Wednesday. Um, we planned it all on Wednesday. And and so we just, you know, rather than get affronted by the sudden change, um, we flowed with it. And suddenly uh, the the principal of the school was on, on the loudspeaker to all the classes. And suddenly uh, th- Wednesday became Thursday. Um, and <laughs> Thursday English classes were all on. And we had a wonderful day. And it's that sort of flexibility to change. Yeah. Um, Lao Tessel doesn't really come together till the last minute. 
And when it comes together, it comes together. And <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't come well, together. <laughs> well, yes, occasionally it hasn't come together. I think uh, think uh, I can only think of one example in the last mm. ten years of that, um, and that was uh, due to due to a situation outside of the outside of the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outside of what we any of us could have imagined. Um, and but some, you still need to deal with that. Well, we still need to deal with that. We still need to deal with the fact that uh, sometimes the conference dates don't really come through till the last minute. Um, sometimes they might even be different from what we had originally expected. Uh, and that we simply have to flow with the, with that. And um, there are always reasons behind the changes, but um, it's not really it – doesn't – I've I've learned that it doesn't pay to sort of think too much about what the changes are. No, oh, you've, you've you've learned a lesson that they've been I have to learned a lesson. Yes, yes, yes. yes you've I learned have. not to think too much. Yes, I've learned not to think too much. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm still learning that. I'm still, uh, okay. Oh. Well, before we before we leave Laos, um, you had some stories or vignettes that kind of can give like the audience like a little uh, the essence of the experience there is things that you know especially ones that would contrast with japan because a lot of our listeners are in japan but not necessarily but just a couple of you know vignettes or observations or stories that (laughs) kind of stick out in your years of experience there well i i think think probably the 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 number one's the the number one um story that i always like to think about is uh Older Lao woman, uh, older Japanese woman teachers coming to Japan as part of uh, coming to Laos as part of this program, and actually suddenly finding themselves on the streets in Laos and being reminded of what Japan was like in their youth. Uh-huh. And occasionally, these people suddenly tears come to their eyes, and it basically is my goodness me. We've lost a lot through industrialization and uh. modernization. And really, this brings up the point of, are we really helping um, by building building another carbon copy of where we're at um, by, you know, ensuring that there's going to be a McDonald's on every corner and a 7-Eleven opposite? Are we actually uh, helping a country to develop Uh and is our presence actually necessary uh, in in some ways? Um, I think that the main thing that we can actually offer is is friendship, basically. Um, yeah, and uh, I think that the Lao people really, in many ways, have a much better life than we have in Japan. Um, it might not be economically wealthy, but it is certainly wealthy in terms of uh, their connection with other people, uh, the richness of being together and, and, and feeling, feeling, feeling like uh, down the street uh, are people living who feel like family. Um, these sorts of connections are, are what Laos is about. And what I'd like to have, uh, see the program as is, is, is an attempt to connect with Lao people and remain connected so that our people can actually trust that no matter what happens, we will be there next year. And hmm. even though we're only a small flash in the pan, really, in an entire year, year's events and in a teacher's life and life and Laos, at least I hope that we can be, be a memorable flash. And I also hope that our visiting teachers leave fond memories and nothing but footprints. Uh, because actually we do also have a lot of responsibility as teachers coming into a into a different environment in terms of um, making may, put it this way it's always easier to tell somebody how to do something than it is to do it yourself mm. I think think that's basically it and, and something that we all need to be aware of uh, in, in our lives as teachers uh, for our students and also in our lives, if we happen to take part in a, a program such as this in another country, yeah, that's, that sounds nice. I like you know you talked about the um, the, the memories and the footprints. Uh, that's a that's a nice nice phrase. Um, but for to if you could kind of extrapolate a bit and think a little bit. So, for example, some like teachers he, either here in Japan or other parts of Asia. We've got some listeners in Russia. Um, some some of us maybe can't find Laos on a map. <laughs> um, 
Well, I always say it's very easy to find Laos because it's right in the, if you can find Vietnam and then you can find Thailand and you can find China, Laos. Right, right, in, the, right in, the in the middle there. Right in the middle. <laughs> Not so difficult to find. It may be a little bit more difficult to get to in terms of flights because uh, not many airlines fly directly into Laos except yeah, from yeah, yeah. Thailand or from Vietnam, of course. Uh, mm. Further afield, you're going to have to stop off in another wonderful wonderful place, perhaps Bang, Bangkok or Hanoi or, or maybe Kunming in China. Um, but that said, uh, once you get to Laos, uh, you'll be in for a very special experience. But for, for people who, who aren't involved and, and, and who really have no intention of going to Laos, um, what can you, maybe I, but not me, <laughs> it's going to be you. Um, so we're hoping you're going to come. All this experience that, that you've had there, um, what kinds of lessons or things that maybe you've learned or that you've seen other people learn, other experiences that they had, um, that might be generally applicable to, you know, like the listeners of this podcast? Because, you know, you know, Charles and I, you know, just... We're tr- I mean, you're, you're in the Jolt Sig, teachers helping teachers. Uh, that's your thing. We try, <laughs> and we're, we're trying to help teachers. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, talking, we're talking about teaching English in Japan. Um, we have no, no idea if or when we're helping anybody. <laughs> I mean, we're shooting into, we're, we're talking into the air, and the, the feedback, you know, predictably is minimal. Um, well, I, I have listener numbers, but I, I don't know, I don't know how, how long they listen. Are they bots? Are they real people? I have no idea, but, um, we can, we can postulate, we can kind of think about, okay, so from this kind of experience, what are the, assuming the teacher's not going to ever be in Laos, um, what are some of the lessons they could get from, it's like, you know, secondhand? It's like, okay, well, this is what I learned with my experience in Thailand or in, or in Laos, um, teaching these people and, and, and working with the teachers there and all kinds of things that came at you from the back end that you never expected to see, you never expected to experience, never expected to learn. It's like, never thought it would be there, but like suddenly, boom, there it is right between your eyes. Um, what kind of general lessons can you maybe share with those folks and me <laughs> okay um yeah that's that's a tough question uh, i think that basically uh i think teaching is a journey and becoming a teacher is a journey that we've all agreed to take part and i i i only did it in the first place because it was the one way i could get tertiary education and get a get some qualification um and I was a reluctant starter as a teacher. But once I started getting into the energy of becoming a teacher, I, I really en- started to enjoy it. And I think the basic thing is to be able to actually reflect on on yourself and, and, and learn and learn from your interactions with your students and enjoy your interactions with your students because we are in, as somebody described to me, we're in a very pleasant occupation. Um, every day we go, get to go and meet with uh, young people uh, uh, who are at a very important stage of their lives. We have this wonderful energy in front of us. And the thing is, can we as teachers captivate that and get them to join together and get them to work purposefully together uh, as, as a class group as, and bring students together? And I think that's a lesson from Laos too and from Lao teachers is the way that they welcome us into their culture and the way that they make us feel like we've got a place and that how they make us feel like we've got a purpose in being there. And I think this is a, this is a message that I think everybody can take across to their classroom, uh, to their classrooms and to their students uh, and to get themselves and their students motivated and purposefully involved together. In, in 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 a process uh, as somebody said to me uh, when I was first learning to to teach uh, teachers training college um, it's not what you teach or how you teach it but can you believe in what you're doing and can you offer that belief inculcate that belief in other people in your students and can they believe in it too and if you can do that then then you can teach 
Yeah, well, the, the connection is everything, isn't it? It is a connection. And can we make connections? And and this is what, the for me, has been fundamental about the LA program. Can we keep those connections going? For example, our connections and actually keeping our relationships in Japan sweet with teachers coming. Uh, can we actually also maintain those connections when we are on the ground and in Laos uh, with teachers and with students? Yeah, I think uh, imagining and thinking about like the interaction between like for me and my, my you know tunnel vision here, thinking about Japan all the time. But someone like for example me teaching Japan, um, going to, to Laos and talking with the, the, the Lao teachers there, um, just being able to you know see through somebody else's eyes and seeing what their experience is like. Um, Opening up the possibilities of you know, and you know the, the different hindrances and the different obstacles and the different opportunities and and all what the differences are helps me see much more clearly the own my own obstacles and opportunities and everything else that I have in my situation, um, seeing where they match and where they don't match, what problems I've got, what problems they don't have, and what the reasons for, the difference in the systems, and so on and so on. The only experience that I've had is like, um, you know, uh, my, my wife Alice and I, we did a, a trip to Russia for a couple of presentations about seven or eight years ago. And um, we talked to a group of um, English teachers at uh, two universities there, um, which was you know, in the same way, really enlightening, just looking at the different obstacles they faced, the hardships that they had versus the hardships and obstacles that we had. And, you know, my, one of the topics in one of my presentations was like the Japanese exceptionalism, how teaching English in Japan is so different, um, knowing that I was going to be, um, you know, presenting to, to teachers in Russia. Uh, and uh, a lot, I wouldn't do the same thing, in I don't think, in Laos, because I think they know that. <laughs> I don't think they need to know that. That's not, I, think, I think it's important for me, the teachers in Russia, know that because then they can appreciate the same kind of things that it's like, oh, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's class size or whether it's student motivation, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is what we have to put up with in Japan. But at the same time, we have X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, how about you guys? Um, I think my approach, if I was going to be talking to the teachers in Laos, might be a little bit different. Um, but uh, the opportunity for the teacher to look at his or her own practice with fresh eyes um, and a really different perspective, um, it can be pretty valuable. I, I think that, that that's kind of a kind of a cool thing. I, I think that's a really cool thing to actually be able to um, see see things through new eyes. Uh, I always think about um, some of the some of the things that we've done in, in in the past have been very very positive, and others have been well. Yeah, they've still been good, but um, they could have been better. For example, we actually uh, contributed to one school um, by putting in ceilings in the classrooms, and, in a classroom block, and unfortunately, the class, <laughs> classroom so, block... But the teachers t- chipped in, and they, they gave their own money to like to put ceilings in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, all right. So, all right. you know, people are fairly motivated to oh, yeah, sure, actually sure, giving, yeah. and, and this is a very positive thing, but it also made me realize that how complicated it is to do something uh, like uh-huh. this and, and how complicated the work of the Women's International Group was in, in, produ- in, in actually having toilets built in schools. And, uh, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the, these things are not necessarily as simple, and it's very easy to assume that, you know, we've got a solution because we were well aware of the problem of having classrooms without ceilings because the noise from the adjoining room was just uh, raucous, to say the very least. And um, we thought, sure, well, we know how to, fi- yeah, know how to exactly. fix this. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> unbeknownst to us, we put the ceilings in, and um, shortly after that, the uh, school got offered uh, a new block of classrooms, and the government came in and built a beautiful block of classrooms for the school. And uh, I went back and found that the classrooms that we put ceilings in weren't being used. And unbeknownst to the teachers uh, who actually worked towards putting the ceilings in and did a lot of the labouring work and using the materials and putting the materials up, uh, the um, ceilings all were infected with termites. So um, the block had to come down eventually. So um, really, 
we had not actually helped all that much. <laughs> Best okay. laid plans. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> constantly, constantly. Isn't that a, but isn't that a perfect story? It is a perfect story <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, just what can happen. Uh, and misguided of, good intentions, uh, right? Misguided I mean, like, yeah, good intentions. Oh, perfect intention. I mean, is it the best? And it just, you know, how could it go wrong? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, and another one was um, in 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 a high school. Uh, we encouraged uh, sustained silent reading programs, and we've been very keen on do, uh, donating books. But of course, they ended up with a very fragmented library, and uh, were unable to sort the books. And the books uh, tended to be placed in boxes in. In, in the corner of the teacher's room and never accessed. Um, but then, uh, as a result of our efforts in the school, the school became known to another another group from Japan, and the group went in and built a library in the school and gave support for using those books. So uh, you're never really sure. Um, one one door one door closes, another one always opens. Uh. So I, I think there's... Uh, although the ceiling story is not so, didn't necessarily have such a positive outcome, the the books and the the books that uh, sat on the shelves are definitely in in a new home and in a library in the school, and the school's actually got a library. So, but you put those two stories together, and you've got a really good lesson. Yeah, we have, we have, we, def- <laughs> we definitely have. Yeah, and I think part of the lesson is is sometimes that uh, actually, in terms of uh, don't rush in. And also don't think too much and also waiting and listening. And sometimes things come from unexpected directions. And I think that's very, very much fundamental to allow and uh, allow people's belief in, in daily life, actually. Yeah, and I'll underscore that listening part because that's just something that we teachers. Oh, we teachers never, are we terrible at that. We're, we're terrible at Oh, we're just yeah, awful at that. Yeah, that listen, listen, yeah. listen, listen, listen. Listen, 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 <laughs> listen, and listen again. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay, well, Chris, I think we're running a little bit long, but man, we packed it in. I, I think that was, that was really good. That was good. Well, it was just a great pleasure to talk with you, and thank great. you very much for the opportunity. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so everybody, this is Chris Rudenclaw, and uh, he's uh, involved with the um, the Lao Tisal organization, and um, also coordinator Jolt. Um, THT SIG, the teachers uh, helping teachers. Uh, I'm coordinator of the Lao program as part of the SIG. And the Lao program too. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm not coordinator of the SIG. Uh, we have another coordinator for the SIG, but we've got mm. programs in Philippines, Vietnam, Nepal, Bangladesh, and uh, other countries as well. So uh, we're well worth looking up on, on. And I will I will put all those links in the show notes. So you guys can uh, and uh, strongly encourage um, little exploration because. Um, not only uh, will you learn something about your teaching, um, you'll be doing some good for other folks. And it sounds like you guys have a hell of a time when you're over there, too. It well, like yeah, fun. we do. We do. We do. Because our teachers are very gracious hosts, incredibly gracious hosts. We have a wonderful time. Mm, excellent. Well, thanks very much for your time, Chris. You're most welcome. You're most Alrighty. welcome. Thank okay. You. Well, thank you very much. Okay. okay. Thank you. Okay. All right, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. And thank Chris for that. That was interesting. What a difference. What a difference. Don't you think? That's what, that's what you come away with, right? Like this is, you really, and, and I think that's part of the, the value of the kind of things, what he does, like taking some of the, the teachers from Japan and bring them to Laos and talk to the people. Because when we were talking, with, when I was talking with Chris about, you know, who gets what, who does, who gives and who gets. And um, it's kind of easy to fall into the trap of like, uh, that you're again. He makes a really good point. You're not doing volunteer work um, because uh, you, you're getting as much as you're giving, and having that uh, going to um, a country like Laos and seeing what the teaching is like there and meeting the teachers there gives you um, a lot of a, a very different perspective and a, good, a very different appreciation of what you're doing here in Japan. Yeah, that's exactly what was the main takeaway for me. Mm-hmm. Listening me is just that by going over there, you kind of get back in touch with what this job is really about, about people who are committed. And what was that? Like people taking eight-hour bus rides? 
48. 48. Was that 48? I heard eight. I heard eight. No, I heard eight and I said eight. But when I listened to it, again, 48 hours. To learn about teaching. To come to the conference. To come to a conference and hear people and 48. I mean, even eight was, you know, Mm -hmm. an Mm eight-hour bus ride for me was just like, nah, you know, I probably would. You know, I'll wait for the video or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that's amazing to me. And... I thought also, again, it was really clear that Chris was talking about like what the teachers get from it, that it's like you're going over kind of to talk, but as you pointed out, you're the one who's getting something back from that. And I really liked the part where Chris was talking about, you know, that you go there and you learn, kind of get recharged about working together with people and how you need to listen. And I think you mentioned that, right? About sure. going over and um, you know, listening, not just assuming that you know what people need. Correct. Yeah, I thought that was really good. And the other things that came across for me, I'm just kind of doing jumping around here, because this is from my notes, was that it became really clear to me that even though Chris knows, you know, the technical side, that there's seeing it as a people art, right? Mm-hmm. And not so much as a technical art, that it's people working together and that you're in this teaching field and you're doing things because your goal somehow is that to become a better person. That's what teaching is about, is you're going into the classroom and becoming the best possible person you can be and doing that through working with your students and reflecting on what you do. I think he talked about it as teaching as a journey almost, mm-hmm. right? That this is this journey we're on, but it's not just to become a technically more proficient teacher, but to become a better person. And the other thing that struck me was that through it all was just this incredible amount of empathy that Chris has, Mm -hmm. right? The ability to really think about other people, consider their needs. Even when he was talking about our Japanese students and how fortunate we are to work with our Japanese students, which is like, okay, I need to listen to Chris a little more (laughs) than that, given how I've been feeling recently. But that overall sense of talking or, you know how in the beginning he talks about just maybe it's the Buddhist nature or it's the the whole approach to life that people seem to be more interested in connecting with each other, that they are more connected. And I was just like listening, kind of going, well, okay, I need to go there now. Because it seems so different. And the key question then is, okay, knowing this, hearing this, how does that affect me as a teacher in Japan? And that seems something that I have to really kind of let it bounce around in my head for a while how you know what would it be like to go over to Laos and do this and see what these people are seeing and engaging and experiencing what they're engaging which is obviously having a positive experience on the people who are doing it so that was like the general feeling I got and then there was one thing that kind of made me a little sad And that was when Chris said something I've heard other people say who have done similar kinds of projects or work, when they say, how do they do so much with so little when we do so little with so much? Yeah, that was a key key sentence, wasn't it? But I've heard that from other people. There are two people I, I worked with before at a previous university who went to, I think, South Africa to do some work. And they said exactly the same thing. They came back and they just said, how do they do so much with so little? And here we are with everything, you know, all the technology one could ever dream of, right? Yeah, yeah, you're an industrialized modern country and it's uh, uh, too easy, maybe? Everyone just takes, you know, so much for granted. Not only, and, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at our students, but we as teachers too. Um, uh, no, let's point the fingers at this. It's never our responsibility. It reminds me uh, a while back, now, a um, uh, trip to Sicily. And uh, one, of the, one of the B&Bs where we stayed we, was um, uh, home of a retired fascist artist. 
and his wife. <laughs> what and, is a fascist artist? <laughs> well, he was an artist, but he was a fascist. I, I don't know how to okay. ex- explain it. And, um, you know, we were trying to, you know, we getting by with, you know, some English, some Spanish, some Italian. Yeah, I was a piece of Italian, a little Spanish. We, we were kind of understanding each other, mostly. And... Um, it was you know very very you know Sicily different completely different lifestyle. And it's one of the interesting things about going there was that you know living in Japan and seeing so many intercultural type classes. There's always just focus on the contrast between my country, United States, and Japan. And going to Sicily, it was like for one of the first times. It was just like you know one of these getting struck by lightning or like whacked in the head. This revelation is like whoa that this for the it was like just seeing. The, the gross similarities between Japan and the United States as this, these incredible consumer materialistic societies. And they were so similar in that way. So totally different from Sicily. And we were having dinner, and uh, he asked the question, Does the Jew, you know, do the Japanese have a good life? I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm, his, it, the house is a couple of hundred years old. It's on a hill, and it's overlooking this huge field, which is filled with, like, um, Greek artifacts and ruins. Um, And there's the scent of the almond trees blowing, and the lifestyle just so laid back. And I'm thinking to about rush hour in Umeda, uh, you know, people going, all of us going to work in the morning, trudging through there. And this was questions hanging in the air, right? It's like, do the Japanese have a good life? And I was like, oh. and he says, well, it's, it's. And I'm trying to explain. And he's not having any of it. He wants, he wants yes or no. <laughs> okay, now I understand why you called him a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm going, and he's getting, he's getting angry. He's getting angry. So I finally say, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they have a they, we have a Education is good. The medical system is really good. It's very safe. The weather is mild. So I say, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's wonderful. It's like the, the question stuck with me, and it's like, man, I'm seeing my life back in Japan in a whole another light. And I'm guessing that they having you know some of the teachers who who teach in Japan or, or other places, um, going to um, other like uh, countries in Asia, you know, you know whatever it is Laos, Cambodia, Thailand. Uh, like yeah, you get a very very different perspective of what's going on here, and uh, yeah, it just gives you another yeah a different perspective. You just see things differently. Yes, and that point you just made that the difference between Japan and America is so much closer than we think usually. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we focus on the differences, but we somehow kind of take it for granted or blinded by because the similarities we don't see the similarities because they don't stand out it's 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 all the same right we don't realize how much of that there is (laughs) what was it that was said the fact that you would know the people down the street living down the street from you yeah and i'm just thinking i have no idea who is even next door in my building i mean we say hello but I don't know who they are, and I, you know, I mean, just superficial things that I can see real quickly. And I thought that again, what you just said, and what came out for, or came across with the talk with Chris, is just that there's a whole lot that it's easy to forget about, and realize that what we might consider important or what we might value in reality might not be so valuable. So it strikes me that okay, I need to I need to do I need to quote volunteer for this thing and go over and really get you know a wake up call so that I can get a better idea of really what's going on inside my own head. Yeah, and I think one of the advantages, you know, one of the benefits or this discussion that I had with Chris is that. Um, it's not maybe it's not really necessary to 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 leave the country and th- but to you know just even listening to a discussion like that um to kind of you know some give yourself a, a reset you know reexamine the basics your basic values your assumptions you know all your you're bringing all these all this baggage to the classroom with you it's like well you know 
dump out the bag, <laughs> your, your mental bag and say, okay, what the hell's in here? Um, what are my assumptions and what are my basic values? Like what is important? What's not important? Cause you know, we, you know, we're busy. We get caught up in it. We just like, we just run out the door and you run back in. We don't often have the chance to do that. And having an experience like going, you know, talking to people in, in another country, like finding up, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, did um, you know the trip to Russia with Allison, and uh, uh, talked to you know doing presentations to teachers there, and yeah, it's like <laughs> complete, very very different experience. Uh, it was a very very interesting time talking, talking with them. Um, I remember one of the funny things is you know after you talked to them about the the classes I had put together at uh, uh, at Osaka University for my students there, and uh, afterwards one of the teachers came up very kind of oddly disturbed. She just says, "Well, um, we're we're I'm really happy that uh, our boss wasn't here because." I wouldn't want him to hear what you had to say. I'm going, whoa, what, what, did, what did I do? What did I say? What did I say? He says, you said you had 45 students in your class? And I go, yeah, I got She says, oh, my God. She says, I, we, have, we have 20 students in our class, and we're trying to get that reduced. He says, if, if he heard that you were teaching 45 students, then you, you know, we wouldn't have a chance. And it's like, Ugh. 20 students <laughs> this, this would be really nice <laughs> but and, and was one thing but there were so many other th- differences right that you know again the students there in russia or you know in different parts of asia in laos um with a real hunger and an energy and a drive to learn <laughs> which is often so different um from what many of us encounter in, in, in many of our classes. I'm not going to say all of us, and I'm not going to say all of, my, all, all of our classes. But um, one of the differences was that, you know, that I explained to them you know, when I was doing the presentation in Russia is that, yeah, um, for us, like motivation and motivating the students and, and cajoling, pushing, getting the students um, involved with their learning is a big part of the job, which is not in Russia or other countries. Um, the big difference. <laughs> and, it, and again, it forces you that to do like a reset and say, okay, go back. So it's like, realize what you're doing, what your priorities are, what your values are. And, uh, you know, maybe rethink things and maybe it makes the classroom experience better for everybody. And uh, maybe makes the, the learning more effective and maybe make, maybe makes your day better. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe what we need to do is uh, have our students go over there and see students who are motivated. Yeah. And teachers too. It's like, one of the things, right? one of the things yeah. that like Chris said, is like about being a teacher that like, we talked about, you know, the, the long, the long view and the journey, as you said, and um, the awareness that uh, being a teacher uh, is a very his expression a very pleasant way to live, and that even in modern industrialized countries where you know our comfort level is you know just way 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 at the top, uh, we take everything for granted. Um, still, teacher in Japan and and any of our classes, you getting to it's your your mission to captivate that student energy. At a very critical point in their lives, right? Which is more true in Japan than in the United States. The United States, the first university student, um, it's too late. You've missed the boat. Um, but but here in Japan, when we talked about what, what was different in Japan back in way back when, and Japanese exceptionalism was it? I think episode sixty, um, where the students here, many of them in high school, um, have been. Their lives have been so focused on their studies that they, rather than their lives, um, they don't have a lot of experiences. And in Japan, yeah, university years, those are the, you know, they're not focused on academics. They're focused on the other part of learning about life. And to be a teacher in Japan, university teacher in Japan, and to get a piece of that is a cool thing. 
Huh, that's interesting because I probably would disagree with you. Well, okay. I would think that they're formed already by the time we get them in Japan. And there's a small minority who we're actually reaching out to and making contact with. And that the professors in America have a better chance because just of the way the education system's set up. But that's a discussion episode. for another day. <laughs> that's another day. Yeah, I think overall, just, you know, this overwhelming feeling of, you know, positivity, for lack of a better word, the, mm. you know, how positive the experiences are for everyone involved just came across and that it is something to think about that and get refreshed and, you know, kind of do that because I think when you're in the trenches week after week, it's easy to forget about what we're actually doing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the value of what we do because of uh, just the way things are structured here. I don't know. I just, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, uh, I like Chris's stories and, uh, you know, just how positive he is about everything. It was um, a nice change of pace. Yeah, yeah. yeah different, different, very different. Okay, anything else you want to add? Or I, I think it pretty much stands by itself. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't. I think anything I else I say is kind of distracting from what Chris said. Right. So, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it. Okay, I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And this is episode 119 of Two Teachers Talking. And you can find us at a whole bunch of places, which we always say at the end of the episode, so we won't say it now. So, Tony, you be good, okay? Excellent. Okay, thanks. Bye.